I often think back, what would it be like to have lived in an era where we couldn't hear music unless it was played live in front of us? What would a musician like Johann Sebastian Bach or Mozart think about the technology we have at our fingertips these days? Would they take such great care to write every note on manuscript paper so that their music could be preserved for centuries to come? Or would they have left us countless albums that we could go back and hear the masters at work? Wouldn't it be nice to know what Mozart actually sounded like and not have to rely on a reproduction based off of a piece of paper? I've always been fascinated by recording my ideas and from the time I first heard about a multi-track recording device, I was hooked. I went to my friend Mike's house and there he was with his four-track recorder making albums and I thought, this is insane, I can't believe somebody I know is actually making albums. What you're hearing right now is actually a recording and it's being done off my iPhone. And as I go through this episode, I'll gradually move into different formats so you can hear the different sounds that are capable with our handheld devices. In today's episode 5 of a 10-part series where we examine the idea of home recording, the point isn't to get into a full-fledged studio recording. We're just going to look at how to capture your ideas in the quickest, most efficient way possible, and then I'll give you a few thoughts on how you can take that to the next level so that your recordings sound a little bit more polished and you can share them with your friends, family, or potentially even on online media such as SoundCloud or Bandcamp, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. One of my favorite stories about recording and the idea of multi-tracking is of the late, great Lenny Bro. Lenny was truly a remarkable musician and did most of his work by listening to albums and figuring out the parts by ear. Little did he know when he was transcribing Les Paul's album that there were actually four separate overdubs. So you can imagine Les Paul's surprise when Lenny approached him at a music convention and said, Les, I don't know how you do it. I figured out three of the four parts you're playing. How'd you fit that fourth one in? And the legend of Lenny Bro just continued on from that moment. Can you imagine not even knowing that multi-track recording existed? That image might remind you of the early Beatles sessions where they would stand around one microphone and just get all the harmonies and the vocals and the rhythm guitar, drums and bass and piano all happening at the same time. And that's what we hear on their early albums. In fact, the technology that I'm currently holding in my hand is so much more powerful than the Beatles ever had access to We tend to look at our handheld devices or laptops or tablets as being internet surfing tools or work enhancers, but they're also very important creative tools for musicians. Once you find a voice memo app that you like, you just hit the red button and it starts recording and you are now officially making a demo. Never underestimate the importance of capturing your ideas as soon as they come to you. Let's take it to the next level and set up a garage band recording so we can start to affect my voice. What you're hearing right now is still the same audio that I recorded straight into my iPhone, but I'm about to add some reverb, some tonal characteristics that make my voice sound fuller and more complete, uh, compression, and all these other great little tools that go into making a recording sound a little better. GarageBand is native to any Apple device, but you can find other products that are just as good if you're an Android user. And I highly recommend you do a bit of research on YouTube and find a product that suits your needs, but you don't have to spend any money. 
an away you can go laying down multi-layered songs with ideas from bass, drums, guitars, vocals, keyboards, anything you can think of to bring your song to life. As an experiment, I'll just keep saying the same phrase four times in a row, and each time you hear me say it, I'll put a slightly different amount of effect on my voice so you can hear the difference. This is my guitar. This is my guitar. This is my guitar. This is my guitar. Notice how each time I said that phrase, a different effect was brought in to make my voice sound more unique. You can apply these effects to any instrument you're recording with. And one of my favorite things about GarageBand is it has all of these great programs built right in. So you don't really have to know a lot about being an engineer. One of the first problems you're gonna run into if you're like me is option anxiety. As soon as you open up a recording program, you'll notice that there are so many features, it's really easy to get lost and feel like you're not making any progress. If you wanna learn a program like GarageBand or any similar style of recording option out there, just start finding YouTube videos that make sense to you and just take on one topic at a time until you understand the full potential of what you're holding in your head. Talking about recording is an endless deep dive into way too many features and options for the time I have allotted for this episode. I really just wanna give you a few basic tips and point you in the right direction. One of the most important things is to have a basic workflow. And for me, as I mentioned earlier, it starts with voice memo where I get my original idea. If I like it enough, I'll take it into the next stage, which is opening up a GarageBand file and figuring out what the tempo of the song is and what instrumentation I wanna use. One of the most important decisions to make in the beginning is what tempo to set your click track at or your metronome. If you plan to add other instruments down the road and you haven't set a proper metronome track, it'll be really difficult to line things up. Programs like GarageBand allow me to add virtual drums, electronic bass, keyboards, and all sorts of other cool things that I wouldn't normally have the time or ability to play properly. It's not that I'm gonna keep those for the final product, but it gives me a better sense of whether the song is gonna work in a certain format or not. And can I find something built into the GarageBand ecosystem that matches as close as possible to what my final product is gonna be or what I at least envision it could be. Another little trick for you GarageBand users out there is to set the key of your song, but that will involve a little bit of theory. Just figure out what the first chord you're playing is and see if you can set the key to that chord. So in other words, if your first chord is C, set the key to C. If your first chord is D, set the key to D. That'll give you a good amount of options on the virtual instruments where if you wanna try to add some piano, it'll give you some automation where you can hit a key and it'll play a C chord for you in a loop that matches the beat per minute of your song. I think the most critical thing for those of you that are singing is to make sure you're playing around with the reverb on your voice. Any vocal track will be enhanced by adding some reverb and finding a preset that you like, whether it's a radio rock friendly one or something a little more toned down. As far as recording guitars go, you'll really need to look into investing in microphones or certain dongles and cable setups that allow you to plug your electric or acoustic guitar straight into your phone, tablet, or computer. And trust me, that is a nightmare. No matter what device you have, the hardest part is gonna be finding the dongle and the cable setup that you need to get sound from your guitar or your electric bass or piano into the device of choice. Once you have all of the technology sorted out and you have the cabling, you can get back to making music. You don't have to think about how to master engineering or how many thousands of reverbs you could go purchase. Save that for the professionals. As a really good friend of mine once said, Chris, all that time you spent learning music, I spent learning how to record things. 
I've personally found that the more time and money I invest in home recording, the less time I'm putting into creating the songs. And I'm just speaking for myself because I know many musicians who can do all of it. Look at someone like Dave Grohl who can create an album from start to finish without anyone's input. It's phenomenal when someone can do it all on their own and I highly respect that. But it's also fun to go in and work with others and have their input on how to make your song come to life. If you do get to the point where you want to choose a producer to make your song sound more professional, do a little research and listen to the other projects that they've created. If you hear something you like, chances are they'll be able to bring a similar effect or element into your music. On the flip side, if you're a singer-songwriter and you go into a production studio that's used to working on keyboard-driven pop hits, you're not going to be happy with the final result. You know, appreciating art is such a subjective thing. It's so opinionated that no one can really tell you why something is good or bad. It's up to the listener and the creators. My final words for you are to make sure that you listen to albums and figure out what are the elements that made them work for you. In my case, when I listened to Ray LaMontagne's God Willing and the Creek Don't Rise, I fell in love with the production and needed to know more about the players, the producer, where it was recorded, and what instruments were being used to create those sounds. I've often described to my students that the drums sound like somebody playing a wet cardboard box sitting in a farm, and I'm not far off. The drum sound isn't overbearing, and it perfectly suits Ray's understated guitar playing and Ernst vocals. On the flip side, man, Pink Floyd, listen to the sounds that they generated. There are so many tricks they used to get their albums to sound like that. It's phenomenal, and they had to go through a lot more work than we would today to get similar effects. Hats off to anyone that sat down and created an album from start to finish. It is not an easy project. And I think the hardest part of all of this is finally saying, it's done. Here you go, world. I'm ready to release it to you. I hope you had fun listening to this episode and it gave you a few basic ideas on how to at least get started recording your ideas. Let's just review a simple workflow. Start off with a voice memo and capture your idea as soon as it comes to you. And keep doing that process until you have enough parts to really sit down and reflect on what it is that you're actually creating. Once you feel like you have a basic song form and you have all the essential parts, it's time to build a more professional sounding demo. That's where you're going to want to invest in some type of recording software that exists on your phone, tablet, or laptop. I highly recommend GarageBand, even if you have to go and buy an old used iPhone that still runs the program or find someone that can donate you one for free. It is such an easy, intuitive program compared to what else is out there. It's a great starting point for anyone who's just getting into home recording. Once you get the basics of GarageBand or a similar program down, you can actually move into any other program you want. It's gonna take time. You're gonna to have to research all of the features and get your head wrapped around all the different places the buttons can be configured, but it's virtually the same thing right across the board. The quality of a recorder you can make on GarageBand is just as good as something you can do on Pro Tools. You just won't have the same level of features that a top engineer or producer will be used to having at their fingertips. Working on your demo over and over until you get it just right can be an agonizing process. Make sure you set aside a ton of time to do this. Once you're ready to start recording, you're going to experience red light fever. As soon as you hit record, you're going to make a ton of mistakes. We all do. It's just a part of the process. It makes you better. And if you survive it, you'll be really happy with the results. Trust me, it's worth it. You created this music. Now it's time to get it out into the world. Thanks for listening to episode five of Follow Up Fridays for season two. I'm your host, Chris Schultz. And on behalf of my co-host, Mojo Camp, I want to thank you once again for being a part of this journey. And don't forget, everybody speaks music.